Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Can I get a boomer? Yeah. If you love Jesus, say I do. I Man, I missed you guys. Anybody missed me back? Thanks. Awesome. Great. Hey, who's ready for spring break next week? Anybody spring broke already before spring break? Yeah? Come on now. You know, God has done some incredible things over the last two weeks. It's been really cool just to kind of sit back and observe, and um, I really enjoyed the retreat. If you went to the retreat, everybody say, okay? Okay. Um, we had a great time, and listen, we made a lot of good connections, and I got to see life transformations. I got to see uh, broken people become mended and becoming uh, just sold out for Christ, and I got to see um, just friendships form. I got to see maybe one or two relationships, hello, uh, happen, and I'm telling you, it was just a awesome time to just be able to sit back and to see y'all. Um, but during that time, I, I, I want to just say something from the bottom of my heart. Just over the past two weeks, um, I have been reading some reports. I've heard some pastors talk about this. But I just want to say thank you. Like, I want to say thank you for loving me well. Like, it is such a privilege uh, to be uh, y'all's pastor, I mean, for crossover, and just to be able to uh, do life with a lot of you and to be able to just get to know a lot of you and help a lot of you, and a lot of y'all help me. And you don't only love me well, but you love my wife well, um, and very few, I think there's some, some girls in here who love my kids well, right? There's some guys too, uh, but man, if you love those kids well, whew, I'm telling you, they can be demonic sometimes, okay? So um, when the Bible says you're born natures of wrath, my kids prove it, okay? And so just kidding, they're, they're sweet, but they do have a little bitterness in them. But on a real note, though, like from the time that I step off of these rugs, uh, y'all love me well. So thank you. Uh, seriously, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I, I don't want to take this for granted and know that um, doing life with y'all is amazing. Going to battle with you uh, to storm the gates of hell is is it's a privilege, and um, I want us to to do this forever. So don't ever graduate. Okay. Anyways, here we go. I have a question for you. My question for you tonight is simply this: Do you want your life to be used by God? You know what? Let's let's take it a little more commitment than that. By a raise of hands, who in here? wants their life to be used by God. Okay, nice. For all those podcasters that are listening to this, we have, I don't know, about 1,000 people, and about 97% did it, okay? Some of y'all in here are like, dude, what the heck? I, I, like, you begged me to come here. You got me here, right? And now i got to raise my hand and talk about, listen, like, like we love you. Uh, you are here for a reason. You're not here by accident, and know that it took your friend a lot of courage and a lot of faith to even ask you here. Um, and listen, they want you to experience the same thing that they get to experience on a daily basis, and that is Jesus. And Jesus is amazing, and Jesus loves you, and Jesus died for you, and Jesus wants to spend eternity with you. So listen, you're not here by accident. You might just have a, an appointment with Jesus tonight, and that is our prayer tonight. 
So my question is, is do we want our lives to be used by God? Well, today we're going to be in a letter of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, and we are looking what Paul is trying to teach to the church at Corinth here. He's, he's talking about some things that are concerning him. See, Corinth is right in the middle of a trading route. This is, is, this is kind of a big hub. It's a big, it's a big place where people come from all different religions, all different backgrounds, all different cultures, all different ideas. And the Apostle Paul, he is writing them over some things that need some correction in their life. Now, it's not like a good job, my good and faithful servants like letter, and it's also not a, like if you, you need to turn from everything that you're doing or, or you're going to burn in hell type of letter, right? It's not like, it's right in the middle. It's Paul has very strategic with his words. If you look at any of his writings, they're very thoughtful. They're very love-centered, but, but what he does, what I love about Paul is he wraps the truth with a direct face. Like he's not afraid to tell you directly in a loving, kind way. He knows his audience. He wraps the letter with truth and love and it's direct and he doesn't want to show a, a side of wrath that, that is not going to do any good. What he's trying to do is he's trying to correct them and be able to try to strategically place them and to be the people of God that he has planned for them to be. So tonight, I want to look at just three points. I know that y'all are midtermed out, amen, right? right? I appreciate the fact that y'all come here on midterm week. Like, like, to get the hour of power, I appreciate that, all right? Plus, it just shows that Jesus is in control, all right? Or at least needs to be, amen, all right? We're going to look at three points tonight that I believe um, we will learn that, that where these people are and we can, we can be able to take what they are, they are being taught and we can take that into our own life about how to grow in a way that we can be used by God. So if we would look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse just 1 and 2 is where we're going to start out today. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid, for you were not ready for it, and even now you are not ready. Now listen, Paul, let's just talk about this just for a second. Paul here, he's doing the whole rapping with truth, but being direct a bit, like he's, he's trying to be like loving and kind, but truthful, like anybody have those friends that like tell you like the truth, but it's wrapped in love, like Hey, bro, like, you and Susie were a little close on that couch last night, amen, right? Like, if that's a foreshadowing of what y'all do in private, there's not much room for Jesus Christ, okay, right? Like, you just wrapping it, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, I got you, bro, right? I got you. But this is my first point here, and this is what Paul is trying to say, I think, in point one, is that we see the result of their spiritual condition. And the result of their spiritual condition is that he couldn't converse with them because they were still people of the flesh. Why? Because they were still being fed with spiritual milk. They were still spiritually immature. They couldn't handle any more than what they've already known for the last couple years. 
rather than living from a spiritual perspective, they were living in a pre-salvation worldview. What that means is that they were Christian, but they were living like they were non-Christian. They were reverting back to their old ways. It's also known as worldly. Now, this is what this tells me, students, is that sin can still happen in a saved person's life, amen? But even when we were sinners, what? Christ died for us. So here's, here's my side note on here, and, and this, this has very little to do with this, but, but I feel like I, I need to talk about something, is that I hear some mutterings and some murmurings that have been happening around the Norman area about people coming and saying, if you are not living this way, if you don't look this way, if you don't say a prayer exactly this way, and you keep on sinning this way, then there is no way that you are saved. There's no way that you're going to heaven, and you got to look this way and talk this way and be this way. Listen, I'm telling you, they're doing it for their good and for your destruction, right? They're trying to make themselves look good and make you look bad. Listen, that's, that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying here is like, listen, like, like we're still saved by, by Christ who saved us, right? But they're reverting back to their old ways, and they're not growing in their likeness of Christ. They were saved, but they were not in the spiritual realm which they had been adopted. They were like babies in Christ. They were infants in Christ. They were only drinking spiritual milk. They were not eating solid food. In other words, this is what Paul was saying. is like, I can't talk to you any deeper today than I did five years ago because you're at the same spiritual maturity that you were then. They couldn't grow up because they were still being fed by the gospel message, the ABCs of faith, right? Jesus Christ came and died for them. He rose again to conquer sin. He rose again to, to bring them life and to bring it more abundantly and to, and to have eternal life with him. They, that, that's what they knew. They knew the ABCs of faith. And Hebrews 5 says it this way. About this we have much to say and it's hard to explain. Since you have become dull of hearing, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the basic oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he or she is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have, for those who have the powers of discernment, listen to this, students, trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Students, the result of their faith is that they could only understand spiritual milk, and they haven't grown into the spiritual meat that Paul was expecting for them. And when you aren't growing in a spiritual meat, this is what he is saying, is that you are unskilled in how you live. You still have good and evil coexisting in your life. And when you have good and evil coexisting in your life, then let's just be honest here. Let's be honest with ourselves as you start doing things that you don't even want to do. You start sinning in ways that you don't even want to sin like. You know what I'm talking about? You still mess up in ways that you don't want to mess up, where you wake up the next morning, look at yourself in the soul exposure, saying, like, why the heck did I do that? Because they were still drinking spiritual milk. They hadn't grown beyond where they had been presented five years 
earlier, what Paul looked at when he saw these people is that they just were not being used by God because they had the same spiritual maturity. Now this is what this tells me. And this is a very big truth that, that I think is very powerful, is that when Paul looked at these people, they were only five years into their salvation. And he said that I expected them to be spiritually mature enough to be effective people for the ministry of Christ. Within five years, he's saying that you, are, you should be mature enough that you can be a preacher in the church all the way down to a volunteer leader. You can be a worship leader in the church. Within five years, you can help be the lead volunteer coordinator in the church. You could be anything in the church that you wanted to be or you were called to be within five years of their salvation. Students, some of us in this place, we have been Christians for how long? Some of us in this place, we have been saved since we were eight years old. Some of us in this place, we have been saved at least for the last five years, maybe the last three to four years, right? Where are we at according to Paul's timetable? You need to ask yourself, and I want you to be honest with yourself, and I want you to be honest with Jesus. Am I still only drinking spiritual milk? Am I still just living on the John 3.16 train that I learned at VBS or a, a vacation, or I guess VBS and vacation Bible school are same thing, you're welcome, right? Or a camp, or like am I still like leaning on that prayer that I said so many years ago? Have I grown in my spiritual maturity to quit drinking milk, but get to the hard truths. And how do, I, how do I judge that for myself? I want you to judge yourself. Don't be judging your besties, okay? Maybe a little bit. Just give, drop them a little note. That's fine, all right? But how do you judge this? Do I live by my flesh? Or do I live as someone spiritual? And with that answer, you can decide if you are really living a life that you want to be used by God in. I had a friend in college that his name, let's just say his name was John because his name was John. And um, we were playing tennis with my boy Hobbs, a.k.a. Hobbs. And they were playing tennis. Well, John grew up like in, you know, tennis prep camp, like perfect form, like Roger Federer style, one-handed backhand, beautiful. Hobbs grew up poor. I mean, he just sucked at tennis, all right? Like, that's, that's, that's the only way I can say it. Like, when Josh, when Hobbs, I'm sorry, I'm getting all confused. When Hobbs played tennis, listen, it looks like when he plays tennis, it looks like he's a right-hander playing with his left hand. Like, like, it looks like he's playing with his wrong hand, but that's really his right hand. Like, that's how horrible of a tennis player. I mean, he hits it everywhere. But on this day, for some reason, all the stars aligned, and Hobbs was slaying John. Like, it was, it was amazing, all right? Like, he was, like, falling and stumbling, hitting shots back, and it was just making John, like, absolutely livid. Now, listen, John had a little bit of a mouth on him, all right? And so he started cursing, right? I didn't do that because I'm a Christian, all right? And he started cursing. He started getting mad. He's slamming his racket down. Finally, he, 
got beat, and he breaks his racket on the ground. It's probably a $200 racket, walks off the court, and that wasn't the crazy part. The crazy part was that, that I didn't see him for two weeks. Like, I mean, we did life together, and I didn't see John for two weeks. And finally, I was like, well, I need to go. He, he wasn't answering texts, calls, nothing. Finally, I just drove over to his house, and I expected to just see a very mad John. And when he opened the door, he's like, brother, what's up? I was like, hey, dude, what's up, man? I was like, where have you been? What have you been doing? He goes, I need to tell you something. I need to tell you something exciting. I was like, okay. He goes, the day that we played tennis, that morning before we played tennis, I met up with a guy in my church. And the guy was just talking about how, like, we need to start living for Christ, and he wished he would have done it earlier, and this and that. And he goes, then he listed out some things in my, you know, that he did that helped him prioritize his life. And he goes, every night before bed, he put, he put this on my agenda. He said that I needed to ask myself this question. For today, John, how did you feed your flesh? How did you feed your soul? And how did you feed others? And he said that, that when he started doing that every night, it kind of made himself have his own accountability. And he goes, you know, after that day, I went and played tennis, and I laid my head down on that pillow, and I, I remembered him asking me to ask myself that question. And he goes, I realized something is that while I was playing tennis, like I fed my flesh with anger and pride and stupidity and ignorance. I fed my mouth with words that I shouldn't have been saying. He goes, and how I, how I was feeding you is, he goes, I was tearing, like, I was tearing Hobbes down. I wasn't being a brother. I wasn't like laughing or encouraging with him. And he goes, I didn't feed my soul at all that day. And he goes, then I started reflecting back and back and back, and he started realizing that he hadn't been feeding his soul for years, and he hadn't been feeding others for years and sharing the gospel with people for years, and all he was doing for years was feeding his flesh. And I'm sitting here listening to the story. He's got like, like the happy tears coming down his face, and like he's just, he goes, I have fallen in love with, I've read the whole Bible in the last two weeks, and I have fallen in love with Jesus in such a way, he goes, I never can go back to old John. And guys, listen, I'm sitting there, like goosey's going on, holy hug, saying, hello, brothers, got it, all right? And I'm like, dude, this is like legit. Like, this is real transformation, and the dude hasn't let go since. I mean, that was years and years ago, and the dude is still on fire for Jesus, he went from milk to meat in two weeks. It was, it was a transformation that I've, I, I've never, like I've never could like, even comprehend at that time. And I do now, but listen, once you start eating solid food, I promise you, you never want to go back to milk. And he went from milk to meat in those two weeks. And listen, he said, he said this to himself. He said, I had to get real with myself in order to start growing and being the, 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 the son of, of God that I needed to be. Students, tonight, we need to get real with ourselves. Are we stuck on spiritual milk or are we thriving for spiritual meat? But Paul doesn't stop there. He leads to my second point. 
in verse 3, and it says this. For you are still of the flesh, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? What we see through this text is that, that we see the reason for the spiritual condition. We see the reason of why they are having this spiritual condition. The reason for this is simply put is because they're choosing to act in a human way rather than a spiritual way. They chose to live in a human terms rather than live in spiritual terms and therefore they were living by their flesh. Paul could tell that this was the reason for for their spiritual condition because there was still jealousy and strife and and and, and literally he was just thinking that they there's chaos around them. And Paul knows that anytime that there's chaos around somebody, it's usually because there's chaos in somebody. I was talking to my father about this text last week, and he said something that kind of stuck out to me. He said, everyone chooses to mature in one of two things in this world. They either choose to mature themselves in their walk with Jesus Christ, or they choose something else. You will mature in something, but you will have to make the choice on what you are going to mature in. And that great battle is the great battle that each person has to deal with. And I started wondering, I'm like, like, like it is a great choice. Like, like, what is going to make us choose Jesus? Why don't we choose Jesus? Why don't we choose Jesus with everything? Why don't we fall on our face every single day and choose Jesus? Why is it so hard for us? Literally, how many times have we beaten ourselves up of, why don't we choose Jesus? I'm just, I'm just racking my brain, and it took me back to an illustration that I actually shared uh, with the Bucks fraternity not a, not a couple weeks ago. Anybody in Bucks in here? Nice, okay. They're here, ladies, okay. Anyways, <clears throat> I have a three- and a four-year-old Revan and River are my two oldest boys, and they love nothing more than tag your it and hide and seek. Nothing more in this world, all right, than, than, than tag and hide and seek. And listen, every morning that I go to work, they're like, Daddy, when you get home, we're going to play tag your it, right? I'm like, yes, when you get home. They don't forget, all right? They do not, no matter how many times I come in that door, it's instant. You ready to play tag your it, right? I'm like, and, and I'm like, okay. And then we'd fizzle that out, and then it's hide and seek, right? Dad, we're going to play hide and seek. Yes, yes, I'm going to play that. Now, listen, when we play hide and seek, it's, I'm always the seeker first, all right? I'm like, okay, go hide, guys, right? Sometimes I make it last 10 minutes, you know? Okay, I'll find you here in 30 seconds and see how long it takes them to come back. And I, for, I forgot to count, right? But usually what happens is I go and seek them in 30 seconds, and they are the absolute worst at hide-and-seek. Because I'm walking down, all I have to do is fake chuckle, like, <laughs> and like River's like, <laughs> Daddy, I'm here, right? Like, like the worst, like the absolute worst, Rev doesn't, like Rev hides in like in the middle of the room, like, oh, Dad, you found me. Okay, it's our turn to seek, right? Like. That's all they really want to get to. They, they, they want to be the ones that are it. And so they go and they count. They're supposed to be to 30, but I think it's about eight. And 
this dude, I know, hey, I know that I'm like 6'3", six, 6'4", with my shoes on. Come on now. I'm, I'm big bodied. I understand. All right. But your boy can hide. All right. I'm stealthy. And I mean, I can squeeze this booty into some weird places and I'm fitting underneath beds that I shouldn't be. Now, given all four feet might be off the ground, but, but I make it happen. Well, they'll come in, and I, it's funny, I hear them going room to room, like, Daddy, are you in here? <laughs> I can hear you breathing, like they're, across the, like they're across the way, like there's no way they can hear me. But they're trying to make me laugh, it's funny, they're looking through every room, and <clears throat> these are going to be the memories that I try to latch onto, because I know I'm going to miss them at some point. But I remember laying on, underneath uh, one of their beds uh, just a couple months ago, and you know, it made me think of like hide and seek, how much that relates to our, our spiritual life. And like how many of us, just even in that game, we would rather hide than we were to seek. And what I mean by that is that many of us, we like to hide ourselves, even some of ourselves, from Jesus rather than seek Jesus with everything that we have. And, what, and, and some of us, we, some of us don't hide from Jesus on Sunday mornings or on Tuesday nights, but we will sure hide from Jesus on Friday and Saturday nights. Some of us right now, we are anxiety-ridden and, and depressed beyond belief, and we will seek everything in this world to get rid of that instead of seeking Jesus. And some of us in here, we haven't been seeking Jesus because we have this boyfriend or this girlfriend that are sidetracking us from being able to seek Jesus like we should. See, we would rather hide things from Jesus rather than seek everything with Jesus. And the more I started thinking about that, the more I realized something. Is that many of us in here who have trusted Jesus with our lives, shoot, even some of us who haven't trusted Jesus with our lives, we don't seek Jesus with every facet of our being, not because we're afraid that we won't find him. I don't think any of us in here, we, we don't seek Jesus because we are afraid that we won't find him. I think we don't seek Jesus because we know that when we seek him and we seek him with every part of our life, we know that we will find him. And we don't seek Jesus the same reasons the Corinthians don't seek Jesus. We don't seek spiritual meat the same reason why they didn't seek spiritual meat. We don't grow our maturity past spiritual milk the same reason they didn't grow past spiritual milk. Because we know if we seek, we will find Jesus. And when we find Jesus, we know that he will ask us to do something that we aren't willing to do at this moment. He's going to expose that very thing that we are holding on to that is putting a distance between us and him, that very thing, maybe it's that girlfriend, maybe it's something in your life that it's an idol, maybe it's some sin that you need to let go of, maybe it's a friend group that you know you're not supposed to be with anymore, maybe it's for you to change the person that you are because that's putting a distance in between you and Jesus, and we know if we seek Jesus, we know that he's going to attack that thing that's in between us and him, and he's going to ask us to remove it. That's why we don't seek Jesus. Because we know that we are going to find him. And most of us, we don't want to move that thing. 
Students, you can make God as big or small in your life as you want. You want him to be small in your life? Choose to hide things from him. Side note, you can't hide anything from Jesus, okay? All right. But you're willing to hide things that you're not willing to give to him. And you will stay at that same spiritual maturity that you have been. And your life, listen students, your life will not be used by God if you have all these things in between you and him. But if you want to be used by God, then make God big in your life and start going room to room in your heart. Father, are you here? Daddy, you here, right? Going room to room in your heart, room to room in your personality, room to room with your friend groups, room to room and saying, God, are you here? And if he is not there, then you need to bring God into that room. If God is not in your friendships, you need to bring God in your friendships. If your friendships aren't pushing you closer to God, then you need to find different friends that can push you closer to the God. If, you're, if God isn't in your relationship, then you need to invite him in your relationship. And if your relationship can't prosper with God there, then you need to break away from that relationship. If God isn't in your Friday or Saturday nights, then you probably need to change what your Friday and Saturday nights look like. You need to choose Jesus over everything. And yes, your thoughts are exactly right. And yes, your fears are exactly right. When you seek Jesus, you will find him. And he is going to ask you to change some things in your life. And guess what? Coming from an older man to you, it is 1,000% worth it. And I wish I would have done it at your age. I wish I would have been totally transformed in my walk at your, late, your age. One ask, I'll, uh, one push I'll say is give Jesus the next three months of your life. Give him everything. Transform your life to, to look as much like Jesus as possible. And I promise you, you give him three months and you'll never come back to be the same person that you were right now. I would say I'd give you five bucks, but I got four bucks, all right? Because Rev and River eat all of my money, all right? Those kids, my goodness, like garbage disposals. Anyways, point three. The resolution of their spiritual condition. <clears throat> Verse four, it says, For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollos and watered, but God gave growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are as one, and each will receive their wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field and God's building. Paul is saying is if you want a resolution to our problem, then choose God. His illustration for what a lot of them were choosing was people of God. They were choosing to follow people of God, and they were missing choosing God himself. And Paul wasn't going to grow them, and Apollos wasn't going to grow them. One planted and one watered, but only God is the one that grows things. Listen, students. This is where I need you to really focus on this. And we can try to ride the coattails of pastors 
and expect to grow our own spiritual relationship with God. You can follow Craig Rochelle or Matt Chandler. You can follow Adam Starling or Todd Tyson or any other pastor in this community. And you can go to church and you can start church hopping from church to church and try to find the guy that's going to deliver a zinger message to make you feel the holy hug and make you feel so great and walk out of that church. And man, you're just like, oh, that really hit me. But I'm telling you right now, that will never grow you spiritually mature because growth only happens when you develop your relationship with God, not when you try to feed off of someone else's relationship with God. It's only when you start working with God and saying, you know what, God, I need to start thinking and praying and chewing on this life with you. Paul couldn't grow him. I can't grow you. Only God can grow you. So listen, if you want to be used by God, you have to be honest with yourself tonight. And ask yourself, am I still being fed off spiritual milk? Like, like am I still, let's be honest here, am I still the same spiritual maturity that I was five years ago? Am I still at the same spiritual maturity even like three years ago? And if so, how do you get from there to start developing some spiritual meat and chewing on the meat that Christ wants you to know? Well, if you want to start doing that, then you start doing what the Word of God tells you to do. That's a great place to be. So many of us skip over the Word of God. I mean, let's just think about this. I'm just going to throw some scriptures out there tonight, you know. What about loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and loving your neighbor as yourself? What about praying for your enemies? What about going and making disciples? What about, about care for widows and orphans? What about being the hands and the feet of Jesus? What about cast all your cares upon me and I will make your burdens light? Be thankful, be gentle and loving. Rejoice always and pray without ceasing. I can tell you scripture after scripture after scripture that will transform your life. Listen, you can't grow in your faith without knowing the word of God, I promise you. Some of you are like, well, I hate reading, right? Well, what are you going to tell Jesus when you're toe-to-toe, face-to-face with him at heaven? And he asks, well, why didn't you grow more with me? Well, I hate reading, right? Like, does that sound like a valid excuse? Like, well, Jesus is like, well, I hate dying for your sins, but I did that, Right? See, but when you learn his word, you start seeing something about choosing Jesus. See, the very thing that you were afraid of losing, the idol that you have placed in between you and Jesus, what you start seeing when you start walking in the word is when you remove that idol, Jesus starts taking the place. And Jesus doesn't only fill the hole, he overfills the hole. So like when, when you are saying, you know what, God, here's the idol of friendships. I know that I need to, I need to not do, make these my riot or dies. I know I don't need to have these people in my life every single day. I still need to love them. I still need to love them towards you, but they don't need to be my riot or dies. What happens is that when you start walking in the word and you start praying and listening and meditating and memorizing and start learning Jesus, you start seeing that you become a friend with Jesus. 
Some of us, we don't even know what Jesus feels like in our life. Some of us, we don't know what Jesus sounds like in our life. Some of us, we don't know how to talk with Jesus. Listen, when you become friends with Jesus, it is the best friendship that you could ever imagine because he encourages you. He strengthens you. He shows you that he loves you. He is the best friend that you could ever imagine. He didn't come just to give you life. He came to give you life abundantly. Some of us have never given Jesus a chance to be Jesus in our life, and we have never experienced a friendship that is greater than any other experience in your life. But listen, you will never experience that friendship until you choose Jesus over everything. Now I want to talk about something a little more personal tonight. As you who are hurting right now, and you who are stuck right now, you who are depressed right now, maybe anxious like you have never felt before and you feel like you're stuck, can we all agree that the devil is a liar? He tells you lies right now. Some of you are listening to the devil's lies and you're stuck, and he's saying, you know what, you're stuck. You'll never get out of this. You're always going to feel this way. You will never be normal again. Maybe everyone would be better without you. Maybe you're hearing that little voice in your head that say, maybe, maybe you're about to die. Uh-oh, something's wrong with you, and you start having a panic attack. You keep listening to the lies, but tonight, I promise you, tonight is a night that some of us in here, we need to rise up and we need to quit listening to the lies of the devil and we need to start battling with the truths of God's word. Because it's time to let the word of God finally be the word of God in your life and let him be the voice that you listen to. Let his word be the battle axe that defeats the devil in your head. Let his word come and give you comfort and give you peace. Listen, students, I believe this with all of my heart because the Bible tells me this. The more that you walk in his word, the more that you grow your relationship with Jesus, the more time you spend praying with him and listening to him and, and being a student of God and loving him and letting him encourage you, the more that you develop your relationship with Jesus, the more the devil's just gonna back off your life because he knows that he can't defeat you anymore because Jesus has already defeated him. Tonight, students, it's time for us to choose Jesus over everything. Maybe some of us tonight, we need to come down to the prayer team just even with that little bit and say, you know what? I'm just going to give it all to Jesus tonight. I, I'm going to pray in my depression and say, Jesus, I'm, I'm giving it to you. God, you know what? Anxiety attacks are going to happen. You know what? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to fear it because I'm going to give you my anxiety attacks. You know what happens when you choose Jesus over everything is you start putting yourself in a position to be used by God. You start seeing things in spiritual realms, not in worldly realms anymore, and fights and, and fights just don't that used to bother you don't bother you anymore. Jealousy and strife don't own you anymore because all you want when you're walking with Jesus is to bring glory to him. So students, as I close tonight, if you want to be used by God, then let's rise up and let's choose Jesus over everything.
Amen? So tonight, I'm going to have some prayer team up top. Bandy, you can come, and come down here. We're going to have some prayer team down here. And I know that there's some idols right now that are in your life that you need to get rid of. And I'd love for you to pray for your, with your prayer team up in the balcony down here. And I just ask God to choose Jesus over everything. Some of us in here, we've never cho- chosen Jesus for anything. And listen, Jesus Christ wants a relationship with you. And you're like, man, I want that. I want to have that type of relationship. I want to have an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. I beg you to come and talk. I'm going to be over there in the corner. I would love for you to come and even talk to me about that. I would love to pray and get to know you through that.